Greetings and welcome back to mile 14 of the Seconds Flat Running podcast presented by Run In. And tonight we're going to focus in on last weekend's NCAA cross country action and this weekend's upcoming World Marathon major in Chicago. Benjamin, welcome in, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me again. It's great to be here as always. How are you? Just dandy. I know you're excited about what the Northern Arizona men did this past weekend. Chop some wood. They chopped some wood. That is your squad. And we are referring to the Nutty Comb Invitational in beautiful and scenic Madison, Wisconsin, the state capital on the Isthmus. And at the Wisconsin Cross Country Course, which will host NCAA championships later this year, in the men's race, 18 of the top 30 ranked teams in the country showed up, and the Lumberjacks from Flagstaff, Arizona, Northern Arizona University, they were dominant with four top 10 finishers and a grand total of only 46 points to get the victory. Four in the top 10, and that was done. Sons won Matt Baxter, potentially their number one guy. Also, heavy hitting freshman who we might see later on in Brody Hasty, one of the top recruits in the country. What say you about the Lumberjacks, Benji? Oh, what's super impressive about this performance is that they ran so much better than last year's performance. And everyone freaked out about last year's performance. And they do this, like you said, while holding out potential number one guy, Matt Baxter, and four flat mile freshman, Brody Hasty. Their depth is insane this year. I thought it was pretty cool. They interviewed Rob Connor of Portland. And he said, I thought they were going to run and score 20 points at this race. (laughs) I take away from Northern Arizona performance from a guy who i think there maybe was a little bit of a question is he a one-hit wonder yes peter lamong you are good at cross country peter lamong it was no fluke last fall at the ncaa championships he's pretty good on grass and that's huge for them as you said in their depth we look at how good they've been the past few years and the dynasty talk has started already and Rob Connor can say that. Rob Connor is a, a great coach with perhaps a bit of false <laughs> modesty in there. I think 46 points in a field like this is really an amazing accomplishment. And I think if we had gone into this weekend and you told me Matt Baxter will be on the course, 46 points still would have been a good score to me. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you take another guy who potentially is a low stick – you know, maybe he's only scoring two or three points. Who knows what they'll get from Brody Hasty? Uh, originally committed to Oregon before the coaching change there, and then switched over and, and went to Flagstaff. But they've proven themselves deep. Wisconsin, the host team, finishes second with the individual champion. Oh, Morgan McDonald. Morgan McDonald, the Aussie. Uh, so the question there becomes, is Morgan McDonald the NCAA favorite to be the individual champion after this weekend's performance? I say yes. Whew. I hate to agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> Thanks. And I have multiple reasons why. One, he already beat a really loaded field early in the year. Two, it's going to be on his home course. He gets to train down that final straight every single day. There was a quote on the flow track coverage 
about the Wisconsin coaching staff saying these guys know every blade of grass on this course. (laughs) And there's something great to that familiarity, that edge that they'll have there. And he's also just really, really darn good coming off of a redshirt season last year. He is one of a handful of guys. I think we'll probably mention Matt Baxter in that group when we get to the end of the year. I would have to think Grant Fisher at Stanford would would be in there as well. Maybe someone from Brigham Young University, Rory Linkletter, perhaps, is in the discussion. Um, A winner at pre-Nats last year. Uh, What other names might we see? Uh, You have the Kenyan uh, trio from Alabama who have all won championship races in their own. And that was a rough weekend for them. They actually had a team DNF for Alabama, but they do have two or three guys, I think, that could be right there. You have Kemboy from Campbell. Absolutely. Yep. Who had a killer spring. Yep. Well, let's talk about the second place finisher, Edwin Kurgat. He has won a Big 12 championship in the 10K. Sure. Very slow race. I don't think he broke 30 minutes when he did it. And he was 0.9 seconds behind Baxter. Kind of a wild card, I guess. Okay. Sleeper pick. Yeah. But if he's able to be 0.9 seconds behind the guy whose home course it is in September, well, who's saying he can't be there in November? Yeah, behind McDonald, just to clear that up, rather than Baxter. Right. Yeah. Baxter? Yeah, you said Baxter. That's okay. But I'm here for you, sweetie. That's what we do. This is it's it's teamwork on this program. <laughs> you also had really a strong team performance from Wisconsin. It wasn't just McDonald. Also, our guy, great American Cole Rockhold from Colorado State with a ninth place finish. Just got to give a little bit of love to Mr. Rockhold. What's fun is, we'll, we'll get to the women's race here in just a moment, but what's fun is we will see most of these teams back in Madison, not just at the NCAA Championships, but in just over another week for pre-nationals, yes. you're going to see these teams plus some of the other top teams in the country. A number of them were at Notre Dame last weekend while the meet was happening at Wisconsin. So we'll see BYU, perhaps the top team challenger to the Northern Arizona dynasty. Would you yeah, agree with I that assertion? With that. They may be the most likely number two. We'll get to see them go head-to-head here in a little over a week, right back on this same course. And we get to see the debut of Matt Baxter. Yes, that is what Coach Mike Smith said, that Matt Baxter will be on the course beginning, I think it's the women's racing first at 10 a.m. on the 13th of October. And we'll see the debut of Matt Baxter, and we'll see just how much that heavy hitter adds to the Northern Arizona lineup. Let's flip it to the women's side, and there's definitely one constant here. Wisconsin had the individual winner. Win-Consin. Bucky Badger gets the victory. Alicia Monson wins, completes the individual sweep for Wisconsin. Team storylines here, I'm going to start with New Mexico who early in the race had a huge pack up front. They put three in the top 10, but they really struggled at the back of the pack. That's your number one team in the country. They fell and finished third. I would say this from my coaching experience, I wouldn't mind at the beginning of the year if my issue is I have three in the top 10 and I need to find a fifth. (laughs) Right. I'd rather find a fifth. Or develop a fifth. Yes, I, I would rather work through 
improving my fifth over the course of the year, I think that's a little easier than coming up with the top three that they already have. Colorado got the victory, the Buffs, with a win for the Pac-12, led by Danny Jones. She was their top overall finisher in fourth place. Great team performance from Colorado. They put themselves right there in the podium discussion for NCAA championships later this fall. And Boise State... You talk about three in the top ten. Three in the top ten right there for a second overall finish. They edged out New Mexico for second. Of course, Ben's individual favorite, Ali O, with a good performance there. Ow, ow. Okay. So Boise in third, Colorado, uh, excuse me, Boise in second to Colorado in first, New Mexico in third. I think all three are legitimate national championship contenders. I think there's maybe one more team you could put in the mix. Lay it on me. Yes. The Oregon women. I'm going with the Oregon Ducks. I know they lost some pieces due to transfers with the coaching change. They also brought in some other pieces some as a result. really big pieces. Who might be just as good or better. And so while their team has a little different look and feel to it, it'll be interesting to see Oregon up against these teams. Obviously, they get to see Colorado within the conference, but strong West Coast kind of Mountain West region in the women's field. Everybody living at altitude. Mm. Must be the trick. Gosh, I'd like to know. So again, pre-nats are back in Madison on October 13th. We will probably give you a little bit of a recap of that coming up in a couple weeks. But let's get to the main event, Chicago Marathon. On the women's side of the Chicago race, we've seen some disappointing dropouts over the past few weeks. And actually, you know what? Before we go on, let me advise the folks here to the coverage of the race. That's an 8.30 race on Sunday, October the 7th. Coverage begins at 8. NBC Sports has the coverage. If you're local in Chicago, I know we have a huge Midwest fan base. You can get it on your local NBC affiliate. You can stream it if you have the NBC Sports Gold package, or you can get that on the Olympic Channel. But let me be the first to say, get this race on a more major cable television station. No offense to the Olympic Channel. I love it, but so few people have access to it. Mm, True. Now, back to the women's race. Within recent weeks, we have lost from this race... Jordan Hesse, who had a huge performance last year in Chicago, and Amy Craig, who also dropped out recently. I would say those are two women who had, at least in the back of their mind, an American record performance type of time. Yes. Jordan had an incredible debut marathon, as good as we've seen. And she has dealt with some nagging injuries now. Uh, If you remember, she dropped out of Boston in the spring, just right before the race. Any concern, young Benji, that we don't get to see Jordan Hesse as we saw her at Chicago in 2017 ever again? Yeah, that was my thought when she pulled out. It's been two marathon cycles now that she's been unable to complete. Obviously, the talent and the desire to do this at the high level is there. I just wonder if Salzar and Hasse are not meant to be working together. Sure, there's been some success. He's 
really brought some good out of her. Yeah, but maybe he was a stepping stone to get her there, and she needs somebody that's going to keep her healthy. Oh, I love this. Let's let's delve into this. Where would she go? Where do you think? Did I just say stink? Where do you think Jordan Hesse could really reach her pinnacle? Mammoth Track Club. Ooh. With oh. the casters. Okay, interesting. Who in the United States as a female runner who's currently coaching, has more experience at the marathon distance than Dina Caster. Okay, I like it. One, I love that you're just completely randomly creating some level of controversy here. And two, uh, Jordan's a California girl to begin with. Exactly. Right? So a little bit of a homecoming, maybe. Yep. We have absolutely zero intel that suggests this is anywhere near possible. We're just kind of hypothesizing on what might be best. I would say it's... It's going to be hard for anyone looking in from the outside to imagine that uh, they could do more with her than Alberto Salazar did pretty quickly there. Yes. And we know this is a, a pretty serious stress fracture injury she's dealt with. I sure hope we get to see her in top form again. I hope it's soon, and I hope she's ready to go next year. But I think longer term, just making sure she is available for... 2020 Olympic trials in Atlanta at the top of her game. I'd love to see that. And same with Amy Craig. She is in an elite level marathoner. There is nothing to say that she couldn't be the top American in 2020 as well. Obviously, Jordan with the time. Molly Huddle will see what she does in New York. Everyone has such high hopes. Des Linden's win in Boston. Shalane in New York City. But who won the 2016 Olympic Trials? Amy Craig. Amy Craig, 2016 Olympic Trials champion. Who medaled at the World Championships? Amy Craig. Who has another question that ends with the answer of Amy Craig? Travis. I, I, I don't know. I'm out of them. So those are disappointing injury dropouts, and I think that takes away some of the excitement for the American field because I legitimately think there was going to be an American record push by those two women. That leads us to the next questions of, one, who is the top American then in the field? For my money, I'm going to go Laura Thweet. I think she's going to be the top American finisher uh, this weekend. And I'm just going to go ahead and just go all in, double down. I'm going to say she is somewhere in the 224 range. I think she's going to run a really good race. I'm excited for her. And... I'm a fan of Laura. Once again, I have no insight into her training. I got no clue what she's doing. But I think she hopefully sees the opportunity to step out of the shadow a little bit, which is deserving for her. So I'm just going to throw a really big number out there and say 224, which is, I think, like a minute faster than where she ran last year in London, wasn't it? That sounds right. We'll double check that. We'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah, if it's we'll, not. we'll just make things up. Other American storylines. Gwen Jorgensen. Gwen Jorgensen. That's a big one. Benny, for the folks who are uninitiated and haven't heard about her here previously, what's the Gwen Jorgensen story? Give us a little bit of the background. Yeah, Gwen Jorgensen is the 2016 Olympic marathon. Ch- or wow. No, that's Fuck not that's me. not accurate. Uh, Gwen Jorgensen has never won an Olympic marathon. Yeah, Gwen Jorgensen is the 2016 triathlon olympic champion that's right 
she stated after that race that she wanted to focus full time on the marathon and win an Olympic gold in that distance. Yep. So she has dropped two disciplines and narrowed it down to just the marathon running. What we have seen of her so far is a mixed bag in her time with the Bowerman Babes of the Bowerman Track Club. She certainly is getting the benefit of training with some incredibly talented women. I think her late entry into this race may have been a precursor that the coaches there already knew Amy Craig was doubtful to run this. Amy said that she had some hiccups early on in her training cycle and she just wasn't able to get in the work she wanted because I think this could have put Gwen in a really precarious situation because I don't think many people would argue that she's not ready to run with an Amy Craig or a Jordan Hesse. That doesn't mean she can never get there. Her determination and her past successes make me think that if anyone could do it, it's her. But she was going to be in a tough spot of, do I try to run with a teammate at a pace I know I'm going to fall off from? Do I lay back and run my own race and kind of get caught in no man's land? I think that this reduces some expectation, takes some pressure off of her. And I think that's going to be a good situation for her. So, Benjamin, what do we see from Gwen Jorgensen this weekend? State your case. I haven't been super impressed with her oh. last few performances. Okay. Certainly not the caliber of a future Olympic champion, but like you said, that is a goal it's working to, not some nirvana she's attained. Ben Sessions, a man who believes you are only as good as your last performance and does not give the benefit of the doubt to an Olympic gold medalist. Go ahead. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um I think she can run well. She had been stating in interviews that she wasn't running for 10th place or a top 10 finish. Okay. When she lines up, she wants to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that will happen. I totally agree with that. And, and I think she, she could get understands chewed up and that. spit out if yep. it happens. Yep. I'm going to say she is the second American. Okay. And she runs 227. Oh, well, that's a nice race. Yeah, it's a great step. I think she would come out of that very pleased, and I think that it would be some indication, as you said, of a stepping stone towards what she might be able to do in the future. I think if we leave this weekend with Gwen Jorgensen running 227, she is a legitimate threat to make the Olympic marathon team because we're talking a really abbreviated cycle for her compared to the training that other ladies have had where they have focused on this distance for years yes i have actually been a little more positive i think in what i've taken away from her races and while i agree she's not in the upper crust in that same tier as some other folks like of course molly huddle doesn't have from her time in boston this spring this huge number she's put up but everyone knows her past in the 10k and all of her American championships, and we assume that she's going to eventually put it together and be a really significant threat on the global stage in the marathon. Gwen Jorgensen has a little different pedigree of success, not coming so much on the track. I think they share a similarity in that each needs a positive performance, I think, to set them on the right trajectory. I still think Molly Huddle, who we'll talk about more when we preview New York in another month, is 
relatively new to the event. And while she will get there in time, it takes time. And heck, I know that from experience, not nearly on this scale, but you get better over time. You learn some tricks to this event. That's what this weekend is about for Gwen Jorgensen. I think they're going to find ways. I think Coach Jerry's going to find ways to pull positives from this and say, look where we're headed. With all that said, I actually had like 228-ish in mind, oh, wow. so okay. I think you're maybe even a touch more bullish than me, but we're on the same page. I think she's going to run well, and there is a certain drive to her that makes me feel confident. I don't think she'll allow a blow-up to happen. I think we're going to see something good for her. We're going to see progress this weekend. Now, my favorite American women's storyline is not even under the three-hour mark. Joan Benoit Samuelson. If you don't know the name, look in the history books. Perhaps the most accomplished American woman ever at this distance. And it would be tough for you to argue otherwise. She is the 1984 Olympic gold medalist. She is a former American women's record holder with a personal best of 2 hours, 21 minutes, and 21 seconds. Joan is going for the over 60 world record this weekend. She was in the field last year to make an attempt at this and had to pull out late health issues. The elite field updated roster that came out earlier this week has her in there, noting that 221 personal best, which I enjoy, that came from 33 years ago, I think. The number to beat is 301.30. I don't know much about her fitness right now. She has run some really good races within the past decade. I'm going to put this out there. The thing I most want to see at Chicago, Joni Sub 3. <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, could you imagine? 61-year-old woman, and she is pushing the three-hour mark. It would just be fantastic to see. So we are 100% behind Joan here at the Seconds Flat podcast. We got a singlet with her name on it. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. (laughs) So that'll be really fun to watch in the women's race. Now let's flip it to the men because this is the lineup we're looking at. The field is absolutely fantastic. And guess what? The Pacers are back. Chicago took Pacers away for a number of years. The Pacers are back. We have a field chock full of leading runners from across the world. We were going through this list yesterday, a little pre-show discussion, and just name after name after name of really good runners. Guys are getting kind of lost in the mix in our discussion like Dixon Chumba, and you were kind of like, Dixon Chumba, is he on the same level as these guys? Well, guess what, sweetheart? Dixon Chumba won a world marathon major just this spring. So he's still got a little gas in the tank. A little pep in the step. A little peppy pep for old Dixon Chumba. <laughs> Everyone is billing this as the Galen versus Mo show. It's so much more than just that. It though. is so much more. And I actually, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe last night or this morning, I can't remember checked on uh, let'srun.com 
and they have like a countdown clock at the top now that's like Galen versus Mo in X number of days, hours, minutes, and seconds. And that's fun. We've been through this before, former training partners with the Nike Oregon Project, two of the elite track runners of the past decade. Of course, over that time, no one with more success than Mo. Galen being right on his heels for a lot of those races. One point in time, quite literally, as they got tied up in a race. And now Mo has left the team. He's training separately. We've kind of perhaps created some sort of rivalry, whether it's artificial or real. We don't know. But it's fun. But it is fun. And in addition to that rivalry, that head-to-head, there's so many more layers that you can peel back in that onion with Galen Rupp, the defending champion, the first defending champion at Chicago, who is an American in over a decade, the first American-born defending champion at Chicago since Greg Meyer back in the 80s. You have Galen also off of a victory at Prague in the spring when he sets a personal best. He goes down into the 206 number after he had to bail at Boston in that crazy weather, and he came right back a few weeks later with the win at Prague. had to be a crazy training cycle for him to get it ramped up again to go. Certainly couldn't have been optimal conditions for him, yet he runs easily a personal best. Mo, meanwhile is blazing to a British record in London in the spring. you got to think that's on his mind again. Can I break that once again? Moreover, can I break Sandre Moen's Mm. European record that he set last December? And, you know, winning this race is also on the table. That wouldn't be bad. No, not at all. I wonder if that's what they're thinking. So Rupp said in a pre-race interview yesterday... He would rather have the victory than an American record. Oh, wow. I suspect the two here might have to come together. He might need both to win this. Wow. Yeah. I think that although he won in 209-ish last year, I think it's going to take a lot more because the field is stronger. And in particular, the strength of the field are not guys who ran really fast times five or ten years ago. They're guys who are close to or at their prime now. Plus, you mix the Pacers back in. I think it's going to be a quicker day. So let's just cut to it right now. Let's make podium predictions. Let's alternate. All right. We'll go top three. We'll alternate predictions. Beginning with we will both give our champion first. Wonderful. Would you like to pick or would you like me to pick? I'll go first. Excellent. Ben Sessions, 2018 Chicago Marathon champion is? The 2017 Boston Marathon champion. Oh, you rascal. Joffrey Karui. You dirty dog. You like that pick? Well, I thought I was going to go a little bit outside of the box with that pick as well. I'm taking Karui for the win. Karui is the 2017 champion at Boston. In 2018, he had a big lead at Boston before he broke down in the weather. And our boy Yuki, who will be in Chicago, I love to see what that's going to be like in some more normal weather conditions, what he does. 
He came back and beat Karui there in Boston this past spring. Karui was the victor at the World Marathon Championships in 2017 as well. So by all accounts, in the world outside of Elliot Kipchoge, Karui was the number one marathoner in the world last year. NBC telecast in Boston, I believe, had given him a win this year at like the halfway mark before the wheels started to come off. I think it's Karui as well. I'm going outside of this rivalry. He might be the superior runner to both. I think that there's nothing Rupp has done head-to-head with Karui that necessarily says he will beat him. Now I feel like he's proven he can be there. I would agree with that 100%. I, just, like you said, I don't know about beating him. Yeah, it's kind of, I think to agree to a degree, he's got to do it to prove it to us. And I think Karui has lurked a little bit in the shadows here of this hype for Chicago. And everybody's expecting Galen or Moe. I'm with you. I got Karui as the winner. You want to put a time out there? You willing to Ooh, willing to put down um, some? I mean, you yeah. know, who's going to hold us accountable here? Yeah. Just throw something out there. 20130? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to say 205.57. Mm. I'm going to say it's faster. No way. Wow. Yep. Which would be a PR for Karui. I think it's going to take something faster than that. I'm going to say it's 205 low. I think this race is won somewhere right around two hours and five minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that we've agreed there. I'll let you go with your second oh, place. Oh, God. Okay. first. I struggle with this a lot. I have been torn. feel strongly both ways about both Galen and Moe. Yes. And I do think they're going to be in the mix here. I am not 100% certain Rupp is completely healthy. Hmm. Okay, because he was supposed to run that half in Copenhagen and make a little push for the American record about three weeks ago or so. Yes. And he bailed on it, which I understand this close to the race with this being his focus. And how soon after the 10-miler he ran? And and the 10-miler, which he would say is just a rust buster, but I know in an interview I saw with Salazar, he had expected him to run a little bit faster that day. Rupp, in his pre-race interviews so far, has said that they really didn't have to change a whole lot. There were just like one or two little tweaks they made in the training here. And I know he ran really well in 2017 off of a bout of plantar fasciitis that he had to deal with i think you know we talked about this in previous episodes that at full strength on that course with the course experience i probably lean towards galen a little bit but as something doesn't feel quite on here and so because i'm saying this i'm almost 100 percent certain that rupp will actually win the race that'd be great and yeah. probably set an american record probably 201 yeah <laughs> it'll just screw around and go 159 59 someone's got to do it yeah might as well i'm gonna take mo second okay mo farah is my pick for the runner-up in chicago behind jeffrey karui who do you have I'm going to have to lean the other way. I like this. I'm At least going, we can disagree here. Yeah, I'm going with Galen. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's riding that high of his success his last few marathons. Every marathon, with the exception of the weather from Boston. Yeah, that's true. He's run, what, I think six, maybe? I'm trying to go back the to trials, start with the, the trials. Games, Boston, Chicago, Boston, Boston again, again, and then Prague. Prague. Yes. Yeah. So 
six, finished five. Yeah, and I believe as I'm walking through that again, in each of the five that he finished, I think he ran a personal best Mm -hmm. each time in succession. Obviously, the first one, the first time he was out there was, but I think he's gotten better at least by a few seconds each time he's run it. And he's always been top three. Yes, and I do think that comparatively as we move them up, I think the pendulum starts to swing back toward him a little bit. I do think Moe's edge maybe is more amplified at the 5K, 10K track Mm -hmm. stuff. So only for the reason that I'm just not 100% sure that Galen is firing on all cylinders is why I take Moe second. Uh, Who would you put third? Honestly, it's not that exciting, but I was going to say Moe. So I think what we've done here is just flip-flopped. because I'll I'll go ahead and take Galen third. There's some other guys who are going to be in this mix. I would not be at all surprised if a name we have not even spoken tonight is in the top three. Because the field is fast. And I am not confident enough to risk throwing another name out there. But I Dixon think we could... Dixon Chumba, <laughs> four-fourth. Man, I'm a big Dixon Chumba fan. You know, there's, for example, there's some guys who ran super hot races like 204 stuff at Dubai last mm-hmm. year, which is a blazing quick course. But, you know, who knows what kind of number they put up. We'll see about the weather conditions. Probably a little bit warmer than optimal, but um, I don't necessarily know that Rupp has run a marathon in conditions we would consider optimal. Uh, this is probably more oh, like. Yeah what he had last year here or or even at Prague where it's just a little warmer than one might want. I'm going to put this out there, though. Do it. I say all three of those guys that I put on the podium PR. I can dig it, yeah. I say they all three run their personal best times, and I say at least one of those records that we talked about falls. The European and or American records fall this weekend in Chicago. I feel a little, uh, I I would guess I would say I feel a little more strongly about Mo taking the European record. And I think though, Galen, even if he doesn't win this race, I wouldn't put it outside the realm of possibility that he pushes Ryan Hall's aided record time which is not the actual american record of just a little bit under 205 because i think what you're getting now for galen rupp is an athlete who has proven he can run 206 has incredible confidence because of that and it certainly didn't happen and as we said an optimal build-up because he had to to step off the course in boston and come back a few weeks later in prague to do it I'm starting to convince myself now that I picked this in the wrong order, but whatever. Yes. He now has a build-up to a race that he targeted, not one he had to switch into a Mm -hmm. few weeks beforehand. And he has a field that's much better. He has pacers. He's only been in one paced race before, one paced marathon. That was Prague, which still was, in my opinion, having watched that race it was still somewhat tactical. It's a two-man yeah. kind of tactical back and forth in the last half of the race. I think all those things add up to he could finish third in this race and still be looking at an American record. I know that wouldn't fit what he said he wants coming into the race, but 
we might see it. I think a winning time is going to be somewhere around 2.05. Call it. Do we see it? An American record. Oh, my. Certified course American record? Yeah, or certified course American record. You know what? For the listeners. <laughs> if it was just me and you in a dark room, candlelight, glass of wine. As opposed to what we're uh, doing. <laughs> okay, so that is pretty much what's happening right now. I might not be quite as bold, but for the listeners, yes. Wow. Why not? We'll see it. But I still don't think he wins. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. Okay, so let's put this on the table. Anyone who can email the show before Sunday who predicts the men's or the women's winner, we didn't get into that as much. We kind of focused on the American scene there. Anyone who predicts the men's or women's winner within how many seconds do you think, Ben? 15. You get the correct winner within 15 seconds. Seconds flat singlet coming at you. Yes. All right? Let's get the singlet out there. That thing has been picking up some momentum lately. It is sweeping the land, and we'd love to put you in one, so email us. Just not Joni's singlet. With your prediction. Yeah, that one's that one's already locked and loaded. How about this? Next American. Ooh. Who's the next American after Galen Rupp? Assuming, I think we both believe Galen Rupp is the top American here. This may be the hopeful fanboy in me. Yeah. But I'm going with Parker Stinson. Mm-hmm. Training out in Boulder, Colorado. He's a grinder. I love that he posts like everything he does, all his workouts, every single run is available to be seen online. Super transparent. We his love that. His buildup has just been insane. It certainly indicates he's ready. Under the tutelage of a one Brad Hudson, Parker Stinson, who last year at U.S. Championships at CIM was flirting with like 209 range through 20 plus miles and then had one of those implosions that every average American inexperienced marathoner has gone through. What's your time on Parker? Put a number out there. I'm going to say 209. Oh my. 55. (laughs) Yeah. I, I totally believe in this kid. Oh my gosh. Maybe ridiculously so. That's sensational. My rationale is that Luke Pascadra, his yes. former Oregon Duck teammate, yep. has ran 210. He did. And in I Chicago, think right? It was. I think yeah. it was in Chicago. And I think Parker's a heck of a lot better than him. Okay. I love the way you just rationalized that. Because so many American men run under 210 these days, right? It's just nothing. 209.59 or 55. Is that what you said? 209.55? I did. Wowzers. Write it down, baby. Okay, so outside of Galen Rupp and Meb, Americans haven't put up that number in a pretty significant amount of time. I am going to say... You know what? I think Parker Stinson also. I'm going to agree with that. I think he will be the second American. I think he learned a lot from CIM. I agree his training has been really good and much better than the previous attempt. I still think he fades a bit late because of the aggressive nature with which he runs. 
and I think that fade's gonna bite him a little bit more than a 209 high. I'm gonna put him somewhere around 211. Which would still be amazing. Oh, it'd be fantastic. It'd be a really good run for a guy who's still relatively new to the distance, right? That was his marathon debut last year. 25, 26 years old. Yeah, there's still upside. And if you're thinking about 2020 Olympic team, his name's got to be in the mix. Absolutely. So I'll agree with you. I'll take Parker Stinson. If you haven't seen his YouTube video series of his training here in the buildup, it's really good. Last I watched was last week, and I think at that point they had uploaded like four videos in the series. They're relatively short. They're easily consumable. They show some of these workouts. It's a lot of fun. As Ben said, he's very upfront and honest. I'll say 211-ish. My one worry is that if he fades enough, I think there's going to be a next group of Americans that are pretty close to that number. An Aaron Braun, Andrew Bumbleo type. Pack. Yeah, somebody yeah. in there. Ryan Root. Ooh, that's... Ah, I should have picked Ryan Root for the top of my podium. North Central alum, former run-in employee, current bum at Tulsa. He's, he's ready to pop a big that's, one. That sounds like a guy who has done it all. Gosh. He's going to get filthy this weekend. Rootski, what's your, what's your prediction on Rootski? Ooh, I'm going to say 217.50, so high. And afterwards, in his post-race interview, yes. he's going to say it was all because of running. Yeah, I agree. He is going to get somewhere under that Olympic trial qualifier number. He's, he's primed to have a good race. He's had some good workouts from what I have been told. Yes, in an insane amount of volume in this buildup. Cool. So I, I do agree with you, Parker Stinson. I think there are some other guys ready there. I'm going to lean towards a fellow lover of all things weather, Tyler <sighs> McCandless. I'm doing of it. I know. Um, I think he could push. He finished second behind Tim Ritchie last year at U.S. Champs. So I think he'll be in the mix. But, yeah, I'll say Parker Stinson as well. So... We'll see. Those are all certainly predictions that are going to go wrong in just a few days, almost undoubtedly. We don't have a real strong track record here on our picks, but we're putting them out there for you. Mostly because we want you to sit down and enjoy this race. Sunday morning, 8.30 Eastern. Pay attention to the coverage. It's going to be fantastic. Again, NBC Sports has it on the Olympic Channel online nbc chicago on the local coverage and we'll get the highlights to you next week we'll wrap it there we'll be back at you next week and enjoy the racing over the weekend we look forward to seeing who knows an american record a european record an over 60 world record a ryan root interview (laughs) a ryan root interview after a huge performance this weekend who knows We will see you next time. It is secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. As always, please send us your thoughts, your questions. If you're looking for some training ideas, we'd love to have those conversations. And we will see you right here next week on the Seconds Flat Running Podcast presented by Run In. Take care.